0: Welcome back to Bible Time. We are in First Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would open our understanding to this text. Teach us what you would have us to learn from it. Comfort us, Father, with these words, we pray in Jesus' name, and for Christ's sake, Amen. So here we have a a continuation of the same theme here of the resurrection of the dead. Back in verse 13, um, the Apostle Paul, speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. We've looked at that. We've looked at where do dead people go when they die? Are they in the earth? Are they in heaven? Well, and part of that depends on whether or not they believe, but dead believers are in Christ. We looked at the verse that says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we looked at many other scriptures. We looked at the book of Revelation where the souls of them that were slain were under the altar speaking to God. We looked at those um, many passages of scripture that talk about us being um, in Christ. We at least referenced, I have many more coming to mind, even as I say that, that we didn't even touch on. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ. And when Christ shall appear, um, it says, then we'll be like him. Now, The dead in Christ are as Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but the body decays in the earth and will be raised from the dead. And that's what he's talking about here. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, which we studied out yesterday. So those that are asleep are those that are dead. Those that have died and their bodies are in the ground, according to man's way of thinking, they are are dead, but in God's economy, their bodies are merely sleeping in the dust. The day will come whenever God will call them up and every molecule of their body will be joined back together and God will take it up to heaven and somewhere along the way he will change it and fashion it like unto his own his own immortal body. We looked at that in 1st Corinthians 15 which we kind of just blitzed through and that passage 1st Corinthians 15 is is really loaded with all of the information that you need to understand the resurrection uh, from the dead. Now he says here, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. And those that are asleep are the ones who are dead in Christ here in verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now it doesn't end there, but our study, we'll, we'll try and keep our study confined to verse 16 today. Um, Lord willing in the future we'll study verse 17, then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll study how those two events there, the dead in Christ rising first, and then we, which are alive and remain being caught up in the air will happen almost simultaneously. What an amazing thought that is. What will it be like for someone to be um, in heaven already and see God call their body up from the dust? and their body rematerialize and come shooting up out of the ground, and then God change it into a glorious body and put them in it. I don't have any idea how to even describe what it will look like. And what will it be like for those that are alive and remain who are here on earth and then Jesus Christ comes back and the dead in Christ rise first and then we which are alive and remain are caught up to be with the Lord. What will it be like to be caught up? I can't even begin to describe what that might be like. Maybe they'll be sitting there eating their soup for dinner. Maybe they'll be working on a tractor. Maybe they'll be standing there telling somebody about Jesus imagine the street preacher standing there imagine a crowd of angry people and they're all saying shut up preacher go away and he says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and he's gone and all the people are like where'd he go you know half of them will say good riddance and maybe just a few of them will say what just happened maybe a few of them will listen I would not be shocked If God doesn't have dozens of preachers preach on that right before he calls them out. I would not be shocked if there's preachers all over the place preaching this text. Whenever Christ calls people back, I'm ready, Lord. Come on now. It'd be okay. Okay. Now here in this text, he deals with the dead in Christ rising first, but there's some things that happen when the Lord descends. We need to look at this verse as we have the other verses. What we try to do here in Bible time is to take the verse and break it down phrase by phrase, sometimes word by word, and compare it to other phrases and words in the Bible. Where those words and phrases are used in other places, we try to look at the context: what is said before, what is said after, and then we try to get the understanding of the verse, to get the sense of the verse, and understand what God's word says. Um, this particular verse has been a great battle for me to prepare. Uh, my own pride getting in the way. My own opinions, trying to rise up and take over the message and try and uh, force to force my own opinions out there to give myself a soapbox to stand on. So I'll confess that right out the break that I've been struggling with that. Um, also other people's dumb opinions come to mind and then I have to battle those dumb opinions and try and figure out how to shoot down their dumb opinions. And that's not what I want to do either necessarily. Sometimes you need to shoot down some heresies, but otherwise if it's just some dumb opinions, it's best to just leave them alone and preach the word of God So that's what we need to try and do today is just preach the word of God So pray for me while I will I preach or while I try to preach the Lord being my helper will preach this today and get the sense of what God's saying here So the first part of this text is for the Lord Himself and that's easy to overlook because we get so Caught up on the descend from heaven part right off the bat that we don't take time to consider the Lord himself Who is the Lord? Go to 1 John 1. 1 John 1. Who is the Lord? This is Jesus Christ. The Lord himself shall descend. Back in verse 14, it says, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And all through the Bible, it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13. Well, you're going to 1 John, so I'll just read it to you. from Verse 13 of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable, in holiness before God even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and this is prefacing the text that we're looking at that's why we call it the context with the text and here he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and again in verse 12 of that text or of chapter 3 and the Lord make you to increase verse 11 our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you the Lord Jesus Christ is mentioned throughout the Bible who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord is a word in the Old Testament that you'll find spelled in the King James Authorized Version, capital L, -L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and it signifies that the Hebrew word is Jehovah that is being used and translated Lord. So Lord means Jehovah God. Lord means God. Now, in the New Testament, you'll see it with a capital L and then lowercase O-R-D. That's because it is not translating to Jehovah because Greek does not have the word Jehovah. So this is a different language that God used to give us the New Testament and in this language the word Jehovah did not exist. But the word Lord still means the word Lord and it's no accident that the Bible in the Old Testament calls God Lord and in the New Testament it calls the Lord Jesus the Lord Jesus. It's not an accident. I've heard of some new Bible coming out where they're putting in and actually I've seen several Several different options. For it. But there's another new one coming out. There's the um, I'm not even going to name the perverted editions, but um, a bunch of the Hebrew Israelite guys that try and pretend like they're the lost sheep of Israel, and all they do good at is being lost goats. But they pretend like they're the lost sheep of Israel, and they like to get some of those Hebrew words put in their Bibles so that they feel more um, more authentic. In any case, they take the word Lord out and they put the Lord, word Jehovah in. God didn't do it that way, whenever God perfectly preserved his word in English for his people, God had the translators put in the word Lord, which is the English word that is equivalent, and it means God. It means the ruler. It means the boss. It means the one in charge. It means the chief. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is God. And when it says, for the Lord himself shall descend, it doesn't mean the Lord of Blankenshire. It doesn't mean the Lord of of Gillamuk, It doesn't mean the Lord of some kind of municipality or precinct or the Lord of some kind of um, feudal area in the dark ages. It means God himself. When it says the Lord himself shall descend you think of how the Bible says that when the Lord comes down the mountains will smoke at his presence and the little hills melt like wax before the presence of the whole earth and when Jesus Christ descends the book of Zechariah tells us that when his feet touch down on the Mount of Olives, you'll split that mountain in half and you see the fulfillment of that prophecy. God himself, the creator of heaven and earth will come down to earth. Now we have something to see here, something to look at. If I got my text right here. Lord help me today. Get all discombobulated. That's a good hillbilly word that means confused, lose your place. But in any case, the Lord God Jesus Christ came bodily in first John 1 1. Let's look at that real quick, and then we'll go over to the book of Luke and look at a couple verses in Luke. Um, but Jesus Christ, God alone is coming and we'll see in our next section what it meant that he descends from heaven. So here, the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 John is that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In verse 13, I believe it is of that text, it says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You can look around there, read the whole passage, find those verses. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And here the word in First John 1 is that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. This word is from the beginning. That means this word is not a created being, but was in the beginning with God and was God. Verse 2, for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, Jesus Christ, the light of the world from John chapter 1, is the Lord, the Lord himself who will descend from heaven with a shout. Now, go to Luke chapter 24 and verse 39. Here it says in verse 39, Jesus was speaking to the disciples and they were scared. They weren't sure it was Jesus Christ bodily. And he said to them in verse 38, Why are ye troubled and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, that it is I myself. This is who is coming back when it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. It's talking about Jesus Christ. I myself behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself handle me and see for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have and when he had thus spoken he showed them his hands and his feet and while they yet believed not for joy and wondered he said unto them have ye here any meat and they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of an honeycomb and he took it and did eat before them God all mighty Jesus Christ in the flesh is the Lord who will descend from heaven God in the flesh fully man fully God in the flesh descending from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and and then the dead in Christ shall rise first now this world would love to stop Jesus Christ from coming back this world would love to shoot him down out of the sky and if they could it would work because he's flesh and blood. But they can't because He's God. He's both, and He's both simultaneously. If they could get Him on the cross again, they would, and it would work. But they can't because He's God. He's fully man, and he's fully God. He has flesh, and he has bones. What about his blood? His blood was poured out at Calvary. His blood was collected in celestial basins and taken to the holy place on high that is made without hands, that the place on earth was only an image of, and was sprinkled on the mercy seat, and his blood is there in heaven, testifying to the salvation of those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to the this day. You say, does he have any blood left in him? I don't even know at all. I just know that his blood paid for my sins and I know that the real, risen, resurrected bodily, flesh and blood Jesus Christ the righteous, the God that made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that in them is, is going to descend from heaven with a shout. This God, the creator God the almighty God, bodily coming down, splitting the sky open, coming down in a cloud to be seen. Let's look at that descent from heaven. He said For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Go to Mark 16. Mark chapter 16 and verse 19. Here in the word of God it says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Now we looked at some of the evidences um, in just the past few days of of Jesus Christ's bodily resurrection. We looked in detail at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and at the witnesses that God had ordained from the Roman soldiers to the Sanhedrin who would not look at the evidence. By the way, not looking at the evidence is in a way testimony testifying to the evidence. When you refuse to look, you are saying, I already know it's true. And I refuse to see anything else that will convict my guilty conscience that what I know to be true is true. So the Sanhedrin, by their refusal to look at the hard evidence, testified that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. When they paid the soldiers money, they testified that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. We looked at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We looked at the witnesses that witnessed to his resurrection. And here in Mark 16, 19 After the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. Only an ignorant heathen could say Jesus is not God, only a good man. And then read verses like this, that he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. When the Bible says, no man hath seen God at any time, not even a good man. Thank you very much. Jesus Christ is God, sitting on the right hand of God. Both are true. You've got to choose. Are you with him or against him? Are you going to believe him or are you going to deny him? There's no neutral ground with Jesus Christ. Go to Luke 24 and verse 51, and we'll look at another um, instance of the witnesses saying that they saw Jehovah God, Jesus Christ in the flesh, rise from the dead. By the way, anybody that tells you they're a Jehovah's witness that refuses to believe in and preach the deity of Jesus Christ, that he is Jehovah God in the flesh, is not a Jehovah's witness. He is a false witness of Satan himself. He's Beelzebub's witness. They should be BWs, not JWs, bunch of liars, bunch of, bunch of false witnesses. It says here, thus it is written, and thus it behold Christ to suffer, Jesus speaking to them in verse forty-six, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. This event proves the deity of Christ again. Yet another proof of the deity of Jesus Christ that he was carried up bodily into heaven, claiming to be God in the flesh being worshiped. The Bible says in verse 52, and they worshiped him. You say, well, Elijah was carried up into heaven. Elisha didn't worship him. Jesus Christ received worship as God and God took him up into heaven and sat him by his right hand And yet God says I am God alone in my glory will I share with no man So if you want to say that Jesus was only a man and not God, then why did God share his glory with Jesus? You're full of contradictions. Anyway, we got to keep moving because we're not here um, To fight that false doctrine necessarily though. That is one worth fighting that's worth one spending a lot of time fighting. Luke 24 and verse 52 we just looked at. Turn over to Acts, that's just past John. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9, Jesus Christ um, speaking to his disciples here. And when he had spoken those things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Get this, get this. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. This same Jesus shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. This is another witness, a direct parallel to 1 Thessalonians four sixteen. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Go to Ephesians 4, quickly. Ephesians 4 and verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. So here Jesus Christ is is shown to us as he that descended first into the lower parts of the earth and he descended from heaven to become a man. He died on the cross. He descended into paradise, preached the gospel to the saints that had believed on the coming one and they came up with him out of the graves whenever he arose as the Bible says, many of them going into the holy city and then, and then we're carried on to heaven. So Jesus Christ is he that descended and he's the, he that ascended and he's him that will descend again. You say, what's the big deal with that? The big deal with that is that all kinds of religions teach ascension, but only one religion teaches you that God descended before he ascended. A whole lot of religions say, oh, Jesus was a good man, and he found this way to some kind of nirvana-type existence, and he ascended to a higher plane. I have people tell me that kind of thing. You know what? That's a bunch of baloney. It's a bunch of hogwash. Your Bible tells us that he descended first. He's God. That's what that's saying. The descent of Jesus is as much proof of his deity as his ascent. He descended as God from heaven and he descended not only to the top surface crust of the earth, but he descended to the heart of the earth and he came back from the heart of the earth and ascended all the way to heaven. That's God. That ain't no good man. That's God, the man, God, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now the Bible says, again, we looked at this verse at the start, be ye mindful always of his covenant. Why is Jesus doing this? And maybe we didn't get it on this recording, but we've been talking about First Chronicles um, 16, 15. Be mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, his covenant that he made with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Jesus Christ himself shall descend because he said he would. That's why. You can believe this because God said it. You know, a lot of people want to try and explain it away. I don't want to explain it away. I just want to believe it. God said it. Be mindful always. Be ye mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. You can trust the word of God. Jesus Christ descended and Jesus Christ ascended. And because he descended and because he ascended, we can. Believe Believe him that he's going to descend again. By the way, there's more than one stage to his next coming. And we'll look at that more, Lord willing, tomorrow. So here, whenever we see him descend, it says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Are we clear on who that is? Who is the Lord himself? Boy, I missed a verse somewhere in there. I wanted to go to Isaiah 40 and I didn't get there. Go to Isaiah 42 real quick. We're going to need need that for the shout as well. And Lord, pray that you just help us today. Help me to preach right in Jesus' name. So go to Isaiah 40, and we're going to have a few verses here to look at in Isaiah 40. We'll be jumping around. Um, to several places. I encourage you um, to look these verses up in their context. I want you to see just a couple things here about the Lord Himself and I completely forgot to write down these verses um, so we're just going to have to wing it here. Isaiah 43 and verse 10. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me, I Even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved, and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. In chapter 44 and verse 8, he says, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God I know not any. Go to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. He says in verse five, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee though thou hast not known me that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the West that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. Tie this in with what we've been studying for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Who is the Lord of heaven for Christ's sake? Answer that question. Who is the Lord of heaven? How can you say Jesus is a man when he's called the Lord? People say the Bible doesn't say he's God. What do you think it means when he says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven? He's the Lord. He's the Lord of heaven. He's not the Lord of France alone. He's not the Lord of China. He's not just the Lord of the earth. He's the Lord of heaven. And the Lord of heaven is God. There is none beside God. There is none greater than God. The Bible says at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. And there's the father and the son right there in the same verse that says he's God. How do you figure it out? You don't. You just choose whether or not you're going to believe it. I believe it. I believe both. I'm not picking and choosing. And God won't accept your picking and choosing either. The only way to the Father is through the Son. And here he says, I am the Lord and there is none else. Verse 7, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. You say, oh, I don't like that verse where he creates evil. Jesus, God, is a God of love. Well, guess what you're going to find out? The resurrection is going to be evil for a lot of people. Only those that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. So let's move on here to the shout in Isaiah 42, 2. Go there quickly. The Lord... Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now here are these three things that are mentioned. The shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God are all three things that he did not have with him when he came the first time, the first time he descended. The next time he comes to descend, he will come with the voice of the archangel. He will come with a shout and he will come with the trump of God. Let's look at these three things real quick and I'm going to tell you right up front, I don't have it all figured out here at all. So we're we're just going to look at what the Bible says and we're going to try and move on and hope for the best and ask God to teach us because God will. Isaiah 42, 2. So here he says, of his servant, uh, which is Christ, and I can prove that from the scriptures. Um, it says in verse 2, he shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Now we know that Jesus Christ cried on that great day of the feast, that last day of the feast, but where did he cry? In the temple. So before you go and say he contradicted, he fulfilled this perfectly. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. I've heard some people say that Jesus was a street preacher and actually the Bible says he wasn't. Isn't that interesting? Now there are street preachers in the Bible and that's a good reason. Public ministry is a real thing in the Bible. Open air ministry is a real thing and Jesus Christ did that too. Let's move on from that real quick. Let's get off of that one. We got to stay on topic. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street now Jesus Christ um, is said in Isaiah 53 that he was as a sheep I hope you're turning there Isaiah 53 Every time you hear a reference, I hope you have your Bible open. If you can, unless you're driving or something online, um, if you can have your Bible open, then I um, hope that you will turn to those references. Verse seven, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So openeth he not his mouth. So here, Jesus, we find Jesus, the shepherd being smitten and the sheep scattered as the Bible prophesies but whenever he comes back he'll come with a shout and the sheep will be gathered. They were scattered when he was first put to death and then he gathered them back together and commissioned them on earth but he said I pray not that ye be taken out of the earth but that ye be kept from evil whenever he prayed to the Father and so he left us on earth with a task when he comes back the second time he will not be quiet he'll come back with a shout go to Psalm 78 Verse 65, then the Lord awaked as one out of sleep, And like a mighty man that shouteth by reason of wine. And he smote his enemies in the hinder parts. He put them to a perpetual reproach. Now Jesus Christ, when he comes back, will shout like a mighty man. He'll shout like one that has been reason of wine. Now that doesn't mean he'll be drunk, but his people will think he's gone crazy. He's lost his mind. Who is this one coming from heaven? Who is this man? coming from heaven. And he'll shout. He'll come back with a shout and with the voice of an archangel. Let's look at that next. I know there's a whole lot there on the shout. I just don't have it. And I'll be studying it and try and find it. There's a verse we'll get to later. The dead shall hear his voice. Actually, let's just grab that real quick before we look at the archangel. John 5, verse 28. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Here, Jesus Christ himself said the hour is coming when all that are in the graves shall hear his voice Uh, Lord willing we'll look at that whenever we get down here to the dead and Christ shall rise first so we have this shout that Jesus comes with the second time he came quiet the first time he came with a shout the second I'm not preaching this like I wanted to preach it Lord I hope that this will just help people have mercy on us oh God have mercy on me and my limitations and, and my physical ailments Lord that keep me Lord my weakness, my laziness, my backwardness, my sinfulness, my iniquities, Lord, that do testify against me, Father, that keep me from being what I ought to be and knowing what I ought to know and having the anointing that I ought to have. Lord, fill me, quicken me, help me to preach this, Lord God, put your power in this, Father God, to change lives in Jesus' name and for Christ's sake, amen. Here in the next part, you have the voice of the archangel. Now, the first time Jesus came, he came with the voice of Gabriel. That's in Luke 119. Somebody turn there. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 8, and this will introduce us to Gabriel real quick. Daniel chapter 8 and verse 16. Now, you can get into all the stuff about these angels, and you get off on a deep end, off the deep end pretty quick. There's a worshiping of angels we're warned against in the Bible. Beware a worshiping of angels, but they are real beings and we should read the Bible and get a biblical understanding of them. Here in um, Daniel chapter 8 and verse 16, we have Gabriel. It says, And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uliai, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision." excuse me. Now there's a ton in Daniel about the end times. We're not getting into all that right now, but here is Gabriel. And we want to look at Gabriel real quick and see what his ministry is. The Bible says that they are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them that should be heirs of salvation. If there's anything you need to get about angels is that they are the butlers and the servants and the maids and the cooks in heaven. And that the bride of Jesus Christ will sit with Christ in his throne and the bride of the father, Israel, literal Israel of the loins of physical Abraham, but saved by faith in Jesus Christ himself will also sit in the place of honor. The Gentile bride and the Israeli church will be there in heaven and um, the angels will serve. The angels will be waiting tables. Don't worship the angels. The Bible says that we will judge angels. And so he says, set them that are least to judge in the earth. He says, come on, you guys should be able to figure this out. Don't you know you're going to judge angels? So here Gabriel is told to help him understand the vision. That is not because Gabriel is in a higher place of favor than Daniel. In fact, it is because Gabriel is a servant. So God has sent Gabriel to serve. You must understand understand that the angels are servants and the ministry of Gabriel is to give understanding. And by the way, this holds true in all four places in the Bible, two in the old, two in the new Testament where Gabriel is mentioned by name. And in all four places, what is he doing? He's causing to understand the ministry of, of Gabriel is the ministry of bringing a message of glad tidings and causing understanding. Jesus came the first, first time with the herald, the herald Gabriel calling him his name out to people. Gabriel telling people about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ's first ministry was a ministry of opening the scriptures and giving understanding about the word of God. So Gabriel fit Christ's ministry on earth perfectly to a T. And it says now, as I, he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep on my face toward the ground, but he touched me and sat me upright. And he said, behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. By the way, what did Jesus do whenever he came and men were too sick to hear him? He touched them and made them to sit up. This This isn't a coincidence. Gabriel's ministry is a picture of Christ's ministry. Gabriel was perfectly made, created by Jesus Christ who made him for a time and a purpose and a job and his job is a job of ministry. So we have gentle Gabriel coming to herald the gentle ministry of our Savior coming as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 21, Yea, while well I well as I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, here he calls him a man, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation, Now we know from the scriptures that he's an angel, but that here he's appearing as a man. So you can use scripture to define scripture. You don't have to just guess. (coughs) The Bible tells us he's the angel and he'll tell us that in Luke. So he says even the man Gabriel whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly touched me about the time of the evening oblation and what did he do? He informed me and talked with me saying "O Daniel I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. And there again, we have Gabriel appearing as an angel of understanding, an angel to give skill, an angel to comfort, an angel to give healing. An angel to give strength. All of this parallels the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then here in Luke, we've got to keep moving. Lord, help us. Go to one um, Luke chapter. <coughs> Luke chapter one in verse 19. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. You're going to have to get the context yourself. I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. Now this good angel, this glad tidings angel, by the way, there's two messengers in the Bible when Absalom has rebelled against David and two messengers are sent. And that's a rabbit I can't chase. I didn't even study it out. It just popped into my mind. So I better drop it before I get in deep water. But just think about that for a second. One ain't one of those messengers, thou art a good man, thou shalt not send tidings today. The other messenger, he said, you send the tidings. The first messenger wasn't fit for the tidings. The second messenger was because Absalom had died. We're going to see that when we see here that Jesus Christ will come the second time with the voice of the archangel. Now... For it is assumed that that's Michael. We'll get there in just a second. Verse 26, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Verse 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Mary asked a question, the angel answered, giving understanding again. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, this angel Gabriel typifies the first coming of Jesus Christ. When he came the first time, he came with gentle Gabriel as his herald. When he comes the second time, he comes with the voice of the archangel. It doesn't tell us the name of that archangel. Two places in the Bible mention the archangel. The second is Jude in verse 9. And it says, Michael, the archangel archangel, the only angel that is named an archangel in the Bible. But the word arch means chief. The word arch means in the essence of captain. It means chief. Now David had mighty men and of his mighty men, he had chief Captains, Joab the chief, he said, whoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the blind and the lame who are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. And it says that David took the city of Jerusalem there of Jabus, and Joab took it and he became chief and captain. So he was over the host. But then there were other chiefs who were chiefs under the chief. So this word archangel is not a name and it is not a specific title. It is something that shows that this angel, has a rank and has an authority and in Jude verse 9 it says that Michael the archangel when disputing with the devil for the body of Moses durst not bring against him a railing accusation but said the Lord rebuked thee you can look it up and read it so here the let's look at the difference you have Michael the archangel um, who is disputing with Satan go to Daniel chapter 10 real quick I should have held my place there in Daniel It's taking time to turn and it's good to turn in your Bible. So it's not, it's okay. We can take the time. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 13. Here, the angel there is sent to David to give understanding. Verse 13, this angel says to Daniel, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia... Now, Daniel calls this angel a man, I believe, or he that touched me. And you can go back and look. A certain man clothed in linen whose loins were girt about with fine gold of Uphaz in verse 5. Get all that context. Um, here in verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So here Michael is called one of the chief princes, ark, angels, chief being ark, Michael came to withstand the prince of Persia. This is not the prince of Persia that wears a turban and carries a scimitar. This is a principality. This is a, de- a devil that had been given the authority over a jurisdiction. And Michael, one of the chief princes, was sent to help. So we find him striving with the devil in Jude. We find him helping against the prince of Persia that is coming to resist the word of God being sent to Daniel in the book of Daniel chapter 10 and then in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 it says and at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time and at that time thy people shall be delivered everyone that shall be found written in the book now listen to me here Lord. Thank you for understanding. Listen to me, and let's get this down. What did it say would happen when Michael stood up, the prince of the children of thy people? He's the, uh, which standeth for the children of thy people. Michael, the archangel, chief, one of the chiefs, one of the chief princes. It's a mistake to assume that he is the greatest angel. It doesn't say that. Okay, but it says he's one of the chiefs. It also says he's assigned to the children of Israel and it says that he stands up and when he stands up there's a time of trouble, a time of trouble it says such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time and at that time thy people shall be delivered and and then it says here and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Again a Resurrection. It is also a mistake to assume that there's only one resurrection in the Bible. There are many resurrections in the Bible. Um, there was a man who was resurrected whenever he was touched. Elisha's bones to which just means little maid. Jesus said, "Arise," and she rose from the dead. There was the dead um, widow's son, the widow's dead son in name that Christ rose from the dead. Lazarus was rose from the de- was risen from the dead. And there are many different risings from the dead in the Bible. When Jesus died and went down and rose from the dead, many of the saints that slept awoke. But here in this time of great trouble, in this specific time, we find that Michael is standing up. And that when Michael stands up, there's a time of great trouble. So when Jesus comes, when the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, this is the mobilization of the armies of heaven. This is one of Jesus Christ's mighty men of valor, a minister. Now, who had a greater place of honor? We'll just throw this in while we're there. Bathsheba or Joab? Who got the top spot? Bathsheba. Okay, listen, the angels are not to be worshipped. Joab was a servant. Michael is a servant. He's a servant of Christ and he's a servant of Christ's bride by default because he's a servant of Christ. That doesn't mean you go bossing him around because he answers to God and he does what God tells him to do for your benefit. Now, Michael stands up. We're looking at our text here. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel. When Jesus Christ descends with a shout, he gathers his sheep. The archangel moves into battle position. The battle is set in array in the heavens and the time of great trouble, known as the time of Jacob's trouble, is loosed on the earth. Jesus Christ's descent has two parts to it, we'll find out. He descends, gathers his bride, and then he descends later all the way to earth. There's two parts to it. But when Michael stands up, when Jesus Christ descends, when Jesus Christ shouts in this time of trouble, it begins, the dead in Christ shall rise. It's pretty amazing. Jesus Christ can't hardly do anything without dead people coming back. When he died and rose from the dead, dead people rose from the dead. Every time he had a major prophet, they rose from the dead. During the tribulation, there'll be two witnesses who are killed who rise from the dead and a voice will be heard from heaven that says, come up hither and they'll go. Boy, we are out of time. All right. There are several resurrections of the dead. First time Jesus came, he came with gentle Gabriel. Second time with Michael. So the third thing that Jesus Christ comes with that he didn't come with the first time is with the trump of God. In Isaiah 58, 1, it says, cry aloud, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their sins. The priests blew their trumpets to warn of battle and of war and they blew their trumpets to gather the camp. There are multiple trumpet blowings. Now there were two main trumpet blows for the people of God. There there are many, many, many trumpets for the enemies of god we're not going to get into the trumpets right now we don't have time and it needs even i need to study it more i'll tell you that just flat-footed but i'll tell you this there are two trumpets in the old testament brother edge kelly helped me with this the other day we were talking about this my pastor and i and there are two trumpets in the old testament a trumpet to assemble and a trumpet to go to battle And there are many trumpets in the book of Revelation that deal with the judgments of God. So there are different trumpets. There's trumpets all through the Bible. The moral of this is, or the take home is, God's got a lot of trumpets. Don't let people pigeonhole you and alter your doctrine over a trumpet. Stick with what's known and work from the known to the unknown. So the Trump of God, there's a Trump to gather and there's a Trump to go to battle. And that's significant. Jesus Christ will come and with the Trump and gather and he will come with the Trump to go to battle. Both are going to happen. There's a lot of Bible verses in the Bible that have two accurate meanings. That doesn't mean that everybody's opinion is right, but it means that if you rightly divide them, you will find more than one. An accurate understanding and truthful rightly divided interpretation of it if you can find scripture to back it up we've got to keep moving lord help me today so the last part of this verse and the dead in christ arise first lord willing tomorrow we'll get into they which are alive and remain Here's the dead, in Christ shall rise first. We already looked at John 528, and we're out of time, but he says, there the time is coming when they that are in the grave shall hear, the, hear His voice, Jesus' voice, and shall rise from the dead. Go to Luke chapter 23, <coughs> Luke chapter 23 and verse 39. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. This is the thief on the cross. And he says, But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That's where Jesus descended into the heart of the earth. Because remember, he was dead three days. He didn't go straight to heaven when he died. He didn't go straight to heaven until after his resurrection. So he told the thief, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Paradise. But look what that thief said. Lord, remember me when thou comest in to thy kingdom. There's a day coming when the dead in Christ shall rise first. But that thief, while well, his body was still hanging on the cross, was with Christ in paradise. And the Bible says that he took them out of paradise. What does that tell you about the dead? It tells you that their souls are with Christ and their bodies are decaying in the earth. Literally the Roman soldiers came along, broke that thief's legs. He lay there suffocating. His 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 spirit his soul left his body. He breathed his last last breath and his spirit was with Jesus today. His body was on the cross. What did they do with it? Well, we assume they took it down and they found a hole to throw it in and rolled some rocks and dirt on it or something. What happened to that body? At, the, at this trump here, when the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, it says, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, 1 Corinthians talks about at the last trump. Some people try and use that to tie it to the trumps in Revelation. Again, those don't seem to relate because you can't find supporting scripture to relate them. And then you just have to make up your own story. And I don't go for that. Let's just go for what the Bible says. Um, so here, whenever this trump goes off, The thief on the cross, his mangled broken body will be put back together where it rotted. And the bones and the flesh and the sinews will come back on it. Read Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. It's a picture of what God would do to Israel, but it also describes God's resurrection power. And God is going to do that to the thief on the cross. The dead in Christ shall rise first afterward, we which are alive and remain. Boy, wouldn't that be a good way to go. Acts 24, 15, just a couple more texts and we'll close it out. I understand completely that I have done a miserable job at representing this verse. This verse is such a big verse. I'm in water way over my head. If you've gotten a blessing from this, it's purely from God as always but it's just a little more obvious to me today. Acts 24 and 15, um, it says that we have, here Paul is saying that he believes all things that are written in the law of the prophets. In verse 14, verse 15 says, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and of the unjust. And again, you can go um, read 1 Corinthians 15. Read it and read it and read it as we go through this study. It's one of the most important passages on resurrection. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 12 specifically is in my notes here. We don't have time to go to it. Revelation 20 and verse 5. Now, this is something that you need to see here and we'll close. This is a happy verse. This is a glorious verse, but we need to get the warning from it as well. We're not going to dwell on it. Just mention it and we'll go. That's not the purpose of this message today. Um, Verse 5 of Revelation 20, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So the first resurrection is completed. Now, again, how many resurrections have we noted that there were in the Bible? Multiple. The man resurrected when he touched Elisha's bones. We had all these resu- resurrections that Jesus did. We have resurrections where Elisha stretched himself on the child and the child sneezed. You have the widow of Nain and her son. You have the little maid that Christ said, Arise. You have Lazarus. You have those that rose from the dead all these resurrections will be completed this is where people get hung listen this is where people get hung this all of those resurrections will be completed will be completed at the millennial reign. Here are thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. The first resurrection is finished at the millennial reign. There will be saints that die in during the tribulation that will be raised from the dead. The two prophets will be raised from the dead. Christ's two witnesses will be killed, lay in the streets of Jerusalem for three days and be raised from the dead. And then at the millennial reign, all of God's elect will be gathered from the four corners of, of heaven, I believe is how the word puts it. Jesus Christ will gather those dead when he comes back listen don't let people's high theology put you in a box and pigeonhole you and get you stuck in their stinking heresies and their garbage and make you dependent on their great discernment to understand the Bible just accept that you don't understand it and read it and ask God to teach you and let him teach you so this resurrection will be completed this in its totality here at the millennial reign blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection can I Can I throw in a little bit of um, heresy no I'm saying that jokingly okay but heresy to a lot of modern thoughts you know there might be some Christians so quote unquote Christians that miss the resurrection but there's still hope until the first resurrection is over until Jesus Christ comes in glory till he descends all the way to earth there's still hope don't give up follow Jesus Now, some of you want to throw rocks at me, and go ahead. I'd rather you didn't, just to be honest with you. That's just kind of tough talk. But anyway, Revelation chapter 20 and verse five, verse six, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. And the the number of whom is as the sand of the sea and they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever and I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them you can mark down John 5 27 the father hath committed all judgment to the son this is your final judgment here verse 12 and I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were opened another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead, which were in them. And they were judged every man, according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And then he sees the new heaven and the new earth and God and his people. And there's not a resurrection there. The resurrection is already passed there in verse five. Father, we thank you for the resurrection of the dead. We thank you that the dead in Christ shall rise first. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word, and we thank you for the doctrine of your word. In Jesus' name, please glorify your son and use this message in spite of my weakness. Lord, my hope is that through your word, you said that your strength is made perfect in weakness. And Lord, therefore, I'm a candidate, Lord, for you to show your strength. And I ask you to do it, Father, in spite of my weakness or through my weakness, Father,